welcome to City of the Great King Podcast with your host, Tyler Sawatsky. That's me. Hello. What's up? You know, I try to change the inflection in my voice a little bit every single time I do that intro, just so it doesn't sound like I'm just slapping in a recording. So I might do like the high inflection on a different word. You probably didn't even know. Episode 25? Whoa. 25. That's a quarter of a hundred. What should I celebrate with? I I didn't plan for this. To celebrate episode 25, quarter of a hundred, I need a quarter of you to become a patron. There it is. Become a patron. The patron's always open. Would love it if you thoughtfully considered joining in as a patron of the show. If you're getting anything out of this, and I appreciate every single one of you who listens, but I especially appreciate those who are my patrons. Sorry, I play favorites. Get over it. (laughs) Look, I am absolutely swamped this week. Um, So, senior pastor's away, which means I got... I'm taking a lot of the the duties for the week and for Lord's Day coming up. Got two sermons to prepare for. Regular Sunday school class. That's the recordings that get uploaded um, also every single week. So I'm staying on the class. I got my small group still going. All the other regular stuff plus two sermons on top of it. I am in a swamped week. But hey, I love it. I was telling somebody the other day that all the work helps, uh, like, the te- the tight deadlines keep me focused and, you know, gets me having things done in time. Are you good with deadlines? Do you like having lots of stuff in a tight time crunch? Helps me focus. So we got lots going on, and because of that, this one might not be as long as normal. Although, I always, every time I say that, I still go 40 minutes, so I'm not going to hold myself too closely to that one. But we'll see. Um, what we are doing today, I want to circle back to a series that I already did, what, two or three episodes on, which was, I just titled it The Kingdom Builder. So the point of that is talking about the actions and attitudes of productive citizens in God's city. What are those actions and attitudes that make us productive? That's what we were talking about. So I don't remember the titles of the other ones, but you can go listen to those. In between starting that And continuing that series, we just finished a three-week look at um, liturgy and worship, and um, encourage you to listen to that if you haven't yet. So today, as you can see in the title, people are preaching. Tell me, which one? Which one's more important? Before we dive deeper into that, recently I was in a conversation with other believers where the question was asked, If 10 new believers were just put right in front of you, plopped right down there, 10 baby Christians were put right in front of you, and you had to embark on a discipleship journey with them, what would you do? Now, I I got several people who's in this group with me, and for, I could tell that 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 hadn't really crossed a lot of people's minds. Like, 
I mean, we, we don't really think that we formally disciple people. Like, usually we just disciple people through informal influence or or something like that. But you, you got 10 new believers in front of you and you have to disciple them formally? What are you going to do? And I stayed quiet. I let other people um, talk about that. and But instantly my mind went to something that I observed a while ago. And it is this. When people come to faith, especially the Christian faith, but when people become Christians, they are usually drawn by or attracted to one of two broad categories. There's a lot of... Uh, like if you get deeper into the categories, they'll give different reasons, but you can categorize them in only two. At least that's my observation. And it is this. They are either drawn to the doctrine or to the community. So there's a lot of people who are drawn to Christianity because of our doctrine, because of our preaching, our teaching. We are a systematized religion based uh, that emphasizes logic and things making sense. God is a God of order, not of chaos. It, it's a, The Bible is an incredibly deep book. You can study that thing for years upon years, decades, and still be peeling back the layers and learning new things. That's why people always say they read through the Bible every year, and every year they're blown away learning new things. You can read that book 30 times, and you are still not done peeling back the layers of how deep it is. <coughs> So that is very attractive to a lot of people, like that we are, we are like that. It's a religion for smart people too, you know, as much as you don't have to be an intellectual genius to be in the church or to have faith, you can be a genius and be a Christian and be blown away with the intellectual depth that is in the Christian religion. Especially if you start studying history and you realize that we're not the only uh, generation of Christians, and you go and read dead people's works, oh, you can be blown away by what they, by some of the insights that they've had. And that's very appealing. It's very attractive. And then we look for that when we go to church. We will be drawn to the strongest of preachers. We will be drawn to good teachers. And so that's kind of the flavor that we, that a lot of people go for. They're attracted to the preaching, attracted to the doctrine, and that's what not only got them, you could say, in a sense, into the faith, but that's what's keeping them going. That's what they're here for. <coughs> Meanwhile, the second one was the community. The people, the fellowship, the small groups, the one-on-one -on -one time, the, the dinners that we have, the feasts, the hangouts, the group things, events, and potlucks, things like that. Like A lot of other people are drawn to the loving community that is characteristic of a whole lot of churches. And that's got a whole lot of good things about it too. Because the scriptures talk endlessly about what, our, what we're supposed to look like when Christians come together. The love that is supposed to define us. How encouraging we're to be to one another, bearing each other's burdens and praying for each other and, and all these types of things where our community is very attractive. I know people love to dump on the church and talk about how hypocritical we all are and um, how it's just full of hateful people. And we can, 
you know, a lot of people's excuses when they leave the faith, when they apostatize, it's like someone hurt me in the church or, or, you know, they're just, they're just a hateful community. Like, and really it's almost never the actual reason. They just want an excuse to keep going into their sin. But the point is we have, the, the Christian community is very attractive and we have, um, so many people in church who can encourage, counsel, come alongside, and uplift each other. And that brings a lot of people in, into the doors. And it should. So, most people are drawn to the church for one of those two things. They're either coming for the preaching, or they're there for the people, the fellowship and the community. The P or P, people are preaching. You will naturally connect more with one of those categories, whether you've consciously thought of that or not. Now, obviously, there's a whole lot of overlap between those two categories. They mutually impact each other. For instance, if you have really good preaching, the, the doctrine is high level, and it's being taught in a very understandable way, that it's connecting with people, it's already right there. I, I blended the categories just in that sentence. Like, when you have good, solid teaching and preaching, you would expect that that's going to make an impact on the quality of fellowship that is there. Likewise, you would expect that a biblically loving community, which uplifts one, each other, uh, one another and does what the Bible says a community should do, that should spur people to grow intellectually to grow in our doctrine and understanding. <clears throat> now, I, know, I understand that, that doesn't always correlate, but they have a lot of overlap, these two categories. And another observation, this is not always true, of course, but I find that the types of people who, whichever one they emphasize out of the two, it often tracks along gender lines, though not always. A lot of the men come more for the doctrine and a lot of the women come more for the community. And that makes a lot of sense when you get into the nature of our genders and, and characteristics and things like that. Not only uh, do I find that it often tracks along gender lines, but entire denominations and traditions will emphasize one over the other. So there are some denominations that are like the entire thing all the churches within their federation or in their denomination is more about the community and they don't host the greatest of teachers. And others are just full of people who um, supposedly are very, very good teachers and preachers, but their community is very lackluster. That's true as well. Entire denominations can be characterized that way. Now, I think about my, my father. Now, my dad, he uh, he took me to church. I, I've I was raised in the church, and if you listen to my my the story, I think I called it my deconstruction story. But why I left the charismatics, I was raised with in the charismatic tradition, and so so was my dad, or at least that's what my dad when he came back to Christ in his twenties, he went to the Pentecostal church, and he remained in that Pentecostal church for decades, and it's only been in the last couple years that he himself left that church. But he stayed there for a long time, 
And that is a church that I would characterize as having a stronger community than it does its preaching. And me being in that church, just like my dad, uh, I didn't really realize uh, those categories or anything like that until later. But for my father, he really connected with the community there because he was there for so long and they were with him through everything. Through his divorce, for instance. When my parents got divorced, my dad stayed in that church and they took very good care of him. And he has a lot of close friends there. Um, <coughs> he was a child and he had been a part of that church before. He was just very deeply enmeshed with that community. But he wasn't being intellectually stimulated for a very long time. Actually, it was years. He realized that he wasn't being doctrinally challenged, theologically challenged. It just was not stimulating intellectually. And it wasn't for years. And yet he continued to stay part of that church. Why? Well, because the community is very powerful. Community is an incredibly powerful thing, no matter what type of category it's part of, whether it's church or something else. But a community based on truth from scripture, that is some of the most powerful force you can find on earth. And so even though my father was wholly disappointed with the preaching and teaching, the community kept him there for years beyond his frustration. And then finally, he, as I mentioned a couple years ago, he was ready to go to a new church, which he is at a new church now, and it's he's getting what he didn't have for a long time. So that's just to talk about the power that these two categories will have. Even though he knew he wasn't being fed preaching that would uplift him and challenge him, he stayed for the community. And I think that can go the other way, too. A lot of people will stay in a church because they connect with the preacher. They really like that pastor and his teaching. And the community around, though, can be quite lackluster. There's not small groups really going on. There's not a lot of fellowship afterwards. You don't know a lot of people. They're not being invited to each other's homes. You know, it's just not a very dynamic community. So, but I could see a lot of people staying in those churches because, well, we got good preaching, so I'm going to stay. Now, you've probably, it, are, it already came to your mind which one you're more naturally drawn to. I am more naturally drawn to the, to the preaching. For most of my life, that is something that I didn't realize that I wasn't getting much. So what I mean is, growing up in the same church as my dad... I was part of a community that was very uplifting and everything was about love, even if it wasn't properly defined or even defined at all, but what they thought of as love at least. And I connected in that community and I only knew what I knew. That was this, that church I went to for well over a decade of very formative years for me as a kid and then a teenager. It wasn't until I went to Bible college that I realized that the teaching, like, I was not prepared doctrinally. I was not prepared theologically at all. And I didn't, I didn't know just how ignorant I was of the vast majority of Christian doctrine in history. One of those, you don't know that, what, the, what you don't know. And so when I started coming across 
intellectually stimulating doctrine and the systematics and theology, I was just, it, it just struck a chord with me. I was eyes wide open, head over heels, just dove in. I talk a little bit about that again in my, in that little testimony story. So when I started diving head first into better teaching and preaching, it's like I found, like, this is what I've been missing all this time. And so I went so far the other way where, um, well, yeah, it basically reminds me that I am more naturally drawn to preaching and teaching and logic and systematics. However, as I have grown, I think as I've been getting more life experience, as I've been going through more personal things, I sense it's shifting a little bit. At this point in my life, I'm much more in tune with how important a healthy supporting community is. And maybe it took um, some tragic life circumstances to really force me to get to that point. But I would have been one of those people who, as long as the preaching is something that I approved of, kind of who cares about the community. Like, it's all just about the teaching. And I, I just sense that I'm shifting a little bit on that. And I want, and maybe this also comes because I'm in the ministry, because I have studied and continue to study avidly. So maybe as I've grown in my understandings and in how I handle doctrine and theology, I feel more equipped to be able to act in a way that is teaching in a community that might need it. That is to say, I could be part of a community that isn't very theologically advanced, and I know how to navigate that. Because a lot of my life, the majority of my life, I was not in very theologically advanced circles. And so I can seamlessly fit back into those communities and be like a teacher to them. So maybe my grasp has, uh, my grasp of the scriptures is at the point where I can confidently go into a place that may not have the best preaching and teaching and I could still thrive there. And maybe I wouldn't have said that if my grasp of doctrine wasn't what it is. And I'm not saying that I'm some, some zenith of theology, not even close. I got a lot to learn. But no doubt I have grown significantly in my 20s. And you know, that's another thing that's really cool about me podcasting at this time in my life. I've said that before, but I'm still in my 20s and I'm approaching my later 20s <coughs> and I'm still young enough where I can change in a lot of my views. You know, it, it can get kind of, it's almost sad when you see people who just, they learn something for the first time and they'll never change their view after that. It's like they're just married to it because now they're older than... It doesn't matter what you say, they, they've stopped growing. Like they're just, whatever I was told first, that's what I'm going to stay with. And it reminded me of a quote. I shared it on Facebook a, a long time ago. But it was from a guy who was trying to encourage the readers to read more works of antiquity. Read works from before World War II, before World War I. See how, if you can understand those writings. And they're not modernized. See if you can understand it. If not, then your reading skills, he says, are, are lacking. 
And then try, if you can do that, try reading older and older works and see how your reading and comprehension is. And he's just saying, the people who, who really study works, who really read, will constantly be growing and evolving in their views. And he, sa he puts out the question, to evaluate if in the last five years you have changed in any of your views. And that got me thinking. It's like, my last five years, I have changed and grown a lot. And I still am. So, when I look back, and I'm in my 40s and my 50s, I can look back at these and, you know, it's kind of cool that I can track my own shifts. Track my own growth like this. That I'll be able to look back and have a record of it. I like that. I'm not scared of the fact that my views can be changing while I'm still teaching. I actually think that should be the case more often than not. So here's another question. We're going to put up the... Let's, let's put up a contrast. You can have... I'll, I will give you a good, solid, encouraging, biblical community, but the teaching and preaching is mediocre. You know, it's not the best. It, I mean, we're not going to say that it's like heresy or anything like that, but it's just... Not the greatest, most challenging teaching and preaching. But the community is so healthy and there's lots of events and a lot of building up and, and all that type of stuff. The community is great. And now think of the other way around. You can either have that good community and mediocre preaching or great preaching but a mediocre community. Which one would you go to? Which one would you last at? Which one do you prefer? Obviously, we want both. We want good, solid, biblical preaching and teaching, and that it would work seamlessly with a healthy, vibrant community. We want both, but we don't usually get healthy at both. Because even if you think personally about yourself, like you are just a mini version of the greater things. So the church is made up of a bunch of people kind of like you, and they all are going to have a bent one way or another too. So an entire church is going to end up taking one of these bents one way or another. It is rare that you will get that you get both. And I find that the people who are who are mature in both of these emphases of people and community as well as preaching and teaching, usually it's the older folk who have gone through a lot of stuff. They've matured. You have to, like, the definition of maturity is one who can be good in both of these areas. Because you will naturally overemphasize one. So we want both. But if you answer that question, you know what your bent is. Would you rather be in a great community with mediocre preaching or great preaching in a mediocre community? By the way, my answer to that discipleship question, the you, 10 new believers are plopped in front of you and you have to embark on a discipleship journey with them, what would you do? My answer to that was, well, what I would do is I would try to figure out why, which one of these categories they came for. Are they here looking for good preaching, teaching, and that's what drew them? Was to the systematics and the logic? Or did they come because they were drawn to the community? And whichever one that they were drawn to the church for, drawn to the faith for, I'm going to formally disciple them in the opposite one. 
And so the people who are here for preaching and teaching, I am going to try to throw them into the groups, throw them into our small groups, into feasts, get them involved in volunteering with some type of, uh, I don't know, just volunteering somehow, getting in front of people, being a greeter. I want them to grow in community because they will naturally go for teaching and preaching. They'll naturally <clears throat> find the stimulation that they need that way. But they're going to need to exercise their community muscles. And for the people who are there for the community, I'm going to, like, they need better theology. They need to be taught more of the knowledge that we get in Scripture and in our faith. And so that's what I would do. Where, what are people naturally drawn to? Don't let them completely lag in the other side. We need both each other and we need the preaching. And the Bible kind of we can lump this up into some biblical categories of word and sacrament. If you think about it, word obviously refers to the preaching and teaching of the scriptures. But then sacrament has to do with, with the person, you know, baptism and the Lord's Supper. That's more about the community, if you think about it. And so we need both. And so whatever one people are more emphasizing, I'm going to disciple you the other way. And a whole church then, you think about what, you know, what does our church need? Think about which emphasis your church has. Are you guys really all about the preaching, the teaching? Your sermons are the majority of the service. Pretty much everyone's there just for the preaching. Well, then you get to be the person who starts focusing more on community. Build some small groups. Do some service projects. Do anything. Have people in your home. Random people. People you don't know. That would be what you are needed for in that place. And if you are in a church that has a more vibrant community and not a whole lot of vibrant teaching and preaching, well, there you go. You get to be used by God to teach others. You don't have to have a formal role in a church to do that. We disciple each other. So you get to be the one who studies more and has answers to some of the questions that people have. I am amazed in, with some Christians who can be asking some of the, what I would consider to be very basic questions like, you know, why did God let this happen in my life? We'll, we all get to that question at some point. But the Bible has so much comfort in giving an answer to that question and you get to be the one, if you are in a church that's more about community and less about preaching, you get to be the one to teach the people in that way. And so, what do your people, the people around you, need more? People or preaching? What do you need more? Whichever one you naturally answered to, my encouragement is to go to the opposite. Get that. Get the other one. And with that, you can, you, you'll see where you need to grow, where you need to mature. And that's kind of where this podcast is, is going. Like, it's called The City of the Great King. And <coughs> what I'm trying to do is help us mature and think about how we can mature as citizens of the Great King. This is the heavenly Jerusalem that we are waiting, the city that comes down at the end, the city that we're building even now, as the kingdom of God spreads on earth. Which one do you need more? People 
community or more preaching? Do you need to shore up on your doctrine? Does your church need to shore up on its doctrine? Focus on the one that your community needs more, and you will find the way that you can mature. All right. Wow, I actually did get it shorter than a lot than my average episode. Woo, to me. Also, you can tell my throat is still recovering. Ha, maybe next week. I want to thank you for listening to episode 25, quarter of a century. Please consider what I said before about joining the Patreon. The link will be in the description. Thanks for stopping by. Go serve your king. God bless you. Go in the nations. Bye-bye.